Well, hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, and I am excited to have uh, Robbie Ra back on our midweek podcast today. Um, she is a nurse. She's a podcaster. She's an author. She talks about all kinds of health and wellness stuff. Um, I tell you, every time we interview her. I think both of us, it's kind of mutual. It's like we could just talk and talk forever. So one of these days we got to get together in person and I'm looking forward to that because I have never actually been to New York and she is in Buffalo area, New York, I believe. And I'm super excited to meet her someday. Um, But I'm also really, really excited to have her back on the show and talk about discussing food as medicine. So um, Robbie, without further ado, welcome back to our show. Thank you, Sean. So great to be here. And thank you for everything you're doing to make people healthy. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, you, you're a pioneer in that area because you did it way before I did. So thank you. Uh, oh, well, now you're talking about my age. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, but look at you. You look awesome. You're amazing. Uh, thank you so much. Well, I love what I do and feel that it matters. And I think you uh, feel the same way, you know? And so, you know, today we're talking about let food be thy medicine and medicine be thy food, which Hippocrates said way back when. And, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about. I know you are too. And, you know, in 1903, Thomas Edison also said the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will interest his patient in the care of the human frame, in diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. Now, I'm a registered nurse. I feel we haven't done a very good job at, uh, you know, adhering to this in the healthcare field, you know, Um because I'm a nurse and I'm a nutritionist, I can say that we're in we're in sick care. Okay, that's what we do. We treat sick care, uh, and we we don't do a good job at helping to prevent disease or really getting to the root cause of disease. And we know that food is medicine, but you know people eat out of a box or a window and expect to have a million dollar body and a million dollar bill of health. And then what happens is disease happens, dis-ease. And they go to the doctor and what happens? They get medication uh, without even any questions about their diet or their lifestyle. And this just drove me crazy as a nurse is which is why I left nursing and went into what I call healthcare, which is the health and fitness industry, and teaching people how to eat healthy and how to take care of what I call their temporary earth suit, their temporary mobile home, because it is temporary, guys. We are not promised tomorrow, but we have a responsibility to take care of this body that God gave us. And he gave us the food of the earth to fuel and feed our body. And so, you know, it's so interesting to me to meet people like you who walk the talk and live this stuff and really uh, know that there's a pill for every ill and decide not to practice that. Right, Sean? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I, I, you know, one of the things, you know, my wife also is a pharmacist and, you know, we think it's very powerful that two pharmacists don't believe in medication to treat long-term disease. And there's exceptions to that rule, but in general, we believe that because so many things in our, so many diseases in our um, 
healthcare system that we treat are, are, are lifestyle related. I mean, when we look at it, look at type two diabetes, come on, type two diabetes. I don't care what kind of fancy drug we have. 99% of the time, it's a diet and lifestyle issue, period. And I will argue till I'm blue in the face with that. And I don't think as our sick care system prescribes drugs for these people, I don't think we're doing them any favors. In fact, I think we're doing, we're enabling their habits and we're doing them um, a disservice. 100%. You know, um, that is going on in the healthcare system and even in the mental healthcare system. You know, I was a psychiatric nurse by trade and so many times medication was the first line of defense for depression, anxiety, mood disorders, whatever it is, without any, any suggestion of counseling first, uh, you know, trying to peel the layers of the onion off and see what's going on and get to the root cause. It's like, take this medication. And of course you take this medication and that medication and that medication, because you got to keep taking medications because of the side effects of all these medications. And I love that I'm talking to a pharmacist who understands that it's, it's insane what is happening. And no wonder we have people so physically and mentally sick right now and they don't know what to do. And so, you know, for me, um, my history, as you know, Sean, is that I was a nurse. I started working in a gym uh, and climbing my way up the ladder. And halfway through my career, my sister, who had been misdiagnosed for two years, two years, with what doctors said was a blocked milk duct, had stage four metastatic breast cancer. Uh, and they found that out at the ripe old age of 42. And, um, you know, we had no history of cancer in our family. She looked beautiful. She had no symptoms other than this black milk duct. And she had been nursing for two years. So we thought black milk duct, right? We worked actually for one of the doctors and, Long story short, um, she was given just a very short time to live because it had metastasized, obviously, stage four. And um, with God's incredible grace and with the fact that she was her own health advocate and the fact that we changed her diet and we fought and we researched, she was educated, I was educated, and we researched, she lived 10 years after being given just a few months, you know, to live. And so I realized then, um, you know, I read the China study. I realized that there was a link between dairy and breast cancer, which you don't hear in the mainstream media. There is a link between sugar and cancer and cancer has a sweet tooth. But you don't hear that in the mainstream media. And the list goes on and on. You know, the incidence of cancer goes up as our consumption of animal products goes up. You don't hear that. So what we learned at that point was that we can change our health and that food is medicine. And, you know, we live in a processed food society as I said, we eat out of a box or a window and expect to have a million dollar bill of health and a million dollar body. It does not work that way. We live in a land where there are pesticides and herbicides and genetically modified foods wrecking havoc on our health. And, you know, we're not 
when you go into the grocery store, there's a health food section for a reason because everything else is pretty You're much right. toxic, right? Good point. <laughs> and processed. And you know, you don't see uh, signs that say genetically modified fruits and vegetables here, non-GMOs here. You don't see that. You see strawberries this big and think it's normal, you know? So there's just so much wrong right now. And so what I love to do, and I have made it my life mission because of what my sister went through, to make sure that we know we can change our health, that we can not only prevent disease, but actually even reverse disease through our dietary habits and our lifestyle. We need to take action. We need to take responsibility. We need to be our own health advocate because in all due respect, I love doctors. My daughter's a doctor, but they don't have the time to tell you about nutrition. They they send them to people like me uh, who can help them. Uh, And their job is really, you know, difficult because of the healthcare system. And they only have a few minutes with patients and all of that. So we need to educate ourselves as you know, Sean, right? Absolutely. And I think you're doing a great job of that. And why we're on that subject. So let's talk more specific about um, food being medicine. Now, as a pharmacist, I will tell you, I, I had the opportunity in pharmacy school when they still taught this class. Um, back in 1991, I took a, a, um, a class called pharmacognosy. And literally, if you look up the root word of it, farm means drug and um, ognosy means knowledge. So um, and really what it is, it's a study of plants and the history of plants and used as drugs and where, and where we get those. And when you look at the history of most all pharmaceuticals and e- even, you know, within the last you know decade or so with some of the biotech drugs, it's a little bit different. But most all pharmaceuticals come from a plant source originally. When you look at statins, for instance. Lovastatin. Lovastatin was originally isolated from red yeast rice. Um, look at antibiotics. Penicillin, you know, came from moldy cheese. Um, and and the list goes on. Um, digoxin comes from foxglove. And, and aspirin comes from um, white willow bark. I mean, it just goes on and on. So we shouldn't be surprised that food should have some kind of medicinal property in it if we um, eat the right things in the right portion. So I guess with that, um, you know, can you expand on that? Yes, absolutely. Um, And you're right. You know, I mean, when when we look at what God has given us, as I said, he's given us the food of the earth to fuel and feed our body. We, over the years, have you know, gone away from what he's given us. And um, I mean, you don't need to read a label when you're eating an apple, right? We need to learn to read labels though, because the front of the package does not tell the full story. So people always send me uh, packages and say, you know, how is this to eat? And I'm like, what's the back? Let me see the label, particularly the ingredients, because I don't really care how much fat, how much protein and how much fiber uh, something has in or how many carbohydrates something has in if the ingredients aren't real food. I don't want to see it. I don't want to eat it. My body can't identify it and nor can yours. So in that processed food society, our foods are causing us to be sick. Inflammation, which is linked to cancer, by the way, uh, 
is wrecking havoc on it. We need to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. Of course, sugar, as I mentioned earlier, it feeds cancer. Just look at the tests that we do for cancer patients, okay? The the sugar goes right to the cancer. That's how we identify where it is, right? And so we know that sugar is inflammatory. We know that white flour is inflammatory. We know that today's wheat is not our grandmother's wheat. It's genetically modified. And so we need to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. What is that? Well, if you like fish, for instance, wild fish is what you should be looking for. Don't eat tilapia. Don't eat any kind of fish or seafood that crawls at the bottom of the ocean or that's farm raised. And I'm talking, yes, even shrimp, okay? Crawls at the bottom of the ocean. We need to stay away from those kind of things and look for wild cod, wild scallops, wild fish. And that is anti-inflammatory, wild salmon, um, organic salmon, and stay away from anything that is farm-raised. We know that a lot of fats can be inflammatory. We want to stay away from hydrogenated oils. We want to stay away from anything that is a trans fat. We want to eat those healthy fats, avocados, nuts, um, You know, if you're trying to eliminate fat on your body, it makes perfect sense to cut down on the amount of fat you put in your body. And also, you know, of course, portions matter, but look at the type of fat, you know, I mean, cheese is processed, you know, Uh, most, most cheese is incredibly inflammatory. I would say all cheese. And, and so When we're looking at what we're eating today that causes inflammation, we want to make sure that we focus on mostly vegetables. If you take your plate, which is round like this, right, and you cut it in half, half of those, half of that plate should be your vegetables and cruciferous vegetables, Um, you know, cauliflower, broccoli, uh, Brussels sprouts, all of that, and greens, of course, not iceberg lettuce, but collards and kale and spinach, all of that is anti-inflammatory. And it's like a broom that kind of just sweeps our intestines. And knowing that our gut microbiome is the eco-center of our body, it's where not only our set point weight is determined, but also it's where our immunity is. So, hey, we just had two years of COVID, right? What should you do? Make sure that you're not killing off all your good good gut microbiome because that's what we need for our immunity. And I know you know this, Sean, all of this is not news to you, but to our listeners, you know, what kind of fruit are you having? You should have fruit that bleeds on a white napkin, blackberries, blueberries, raspberries, elderberries, anything that bleeds on a white napkin is high in antioxidants and helps us fight free radicals and is anti-inflammatory and healing for our body and anti-cancer. I could do a whole show on on cancer uh, because I am so passionate about the anti-cancer diet, which is something that all of us should be eating, honestly, because we all are at risk for dis-ease and cancer. And, um, you know, herbs and spices, there's so much we can do with that. Turmeric, so wonderful for you. 
high anti-inflammatory, anti-cancer. Um, of course, curcumin, you know about Sean and, and uh, you know, it all goes together. So when we look at our diet, we really, when you go into the grocery store, you want to stay in the produce section mostly. So when you look at that plate you have, half of it should be vegetables. The other half, cut your plate in half. 25% be your protein, whether it's plant-based, which I would recommend primarily a plant-based diet. The other quarter of that half, so you're cutting your half of your plate in half, and you cut it in half again, one quarter should be your protein and one quarter should be your healthy carbohydrates, quinoa, I just, sweet potato, I just had one last night, um, you know, brown rice, black rice, and carbohydrates that are nutrient dense and just aren't filled with just carbohydrates with no nutritional value, right? And healthy fats as well. This is all in my book, by the way, The Raw Truth Recharge, Seven Truths to Health and Fitness. And I have a step-by-step detox in there, which is so important for our body. We should detox seasonally uh, because there's toxins in the air, the food, the water, and the soil. And so we have to be careful of cleaning products as well as what we eat. So what we put on the end of our fork can either cause disease or it can prevent disease. I mean, we have to have health by choice, not by chance, not by just the roll of the dice, right? And we know that everything is permissible. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. And that's biblical. So um, go into a little bit, since you have a background in psychiatry as a nurse. So go into a little bit about how Food can help depression. Do you, is that true? Food is mood. Okay. There you <laughs> unfortunately, go. Unfortunately, we turn to food because of our moods, but, um, you know, we're trying to fill this empty, you know, part of our, our life. And really, uh, you know, we are, we are meant to crave God. We're not meant to crave food, but food absolutely affects our mood especially when it comes to sugar. Sugar is addicting. It does uh, cause people to be moody. It causes me to be anxious and feel down. Um, I look at sugar as a toxic drug. You know, ever since my sister got sick, I look at sugar as toxic. It's absolutely toxic to our body. It's toxic to our brain. And I talked about the gut microbiome. So our gut microbiome um, are the bugs in our body that we feed when we eat. So when we eat, we're not only eating for nutrition or for enjoyment, but we're eating to feed those good uh, bugs in our gut microbiome. And if you eat junk food for one week, you will kill off 50% of your good gut bacteria, which opens the door to disease, by the way. But also it's important to know, Sean, that with that question that you asked me about our our mood, um, the vagus nerve goes from the gut to the brain. I know you know this, um, but... So if there's a vagus nerve going from our gut to our brain, whatever's happening in our gut affects our brain, right? right? 
and vice versa, honestly. And so, you know, if you are sick in your gut, it's going to affect your brain. If you're not feeding those good gut bacteria and you're killing off those bugs, then it's going to affect your brain. And so what they've found over the years is that um, absolutely what we eat affects our brain. And not just because we may feel bad about what we ate. I mean, that's the, that's the least of it, right? Physiologically, what we eat and what happens in our gut directly affects our brain. One of my trainers, um, one of my uh, doctor professors in my nutrition certification uh, for a nutritionist is Dr. Amen. And you might've heard of Dr. Amen's you know, brain clinics and he's right here in New York. And he has spent his life and dedicated his life to researching the brain and really talks so much about the link between the brain and the gut and the food we eat and how changes in the brain happen. I mean, you know, as a pharmacist, how many drugs affect our brain. And I just heard recently about the inhaled steroids, a new study done about inhaled steroids for asthma and how they are affecting the brain negatively. So how the way God made our body is our brain is directly linked to our body. I mean, it's not separate, right? right? So what happens in our body happens in our brain, affects our brain. And so as we age, you know, we look at our wrinkles and we look at, you know, our outside of our body, maybe saggy skin or whatever, aging, but we don't think about the fact that our brain is aging with it. And so we need to eat not only for our body, but for our brain, because our brain does affect our mood and our ability to function. And also, again, I mean, I don't know about you, Sean, but in the past, you know, literally five years, the amount of young kids that come into my practice that are teenagers that are on anti-anxiety medication and antidepressive medication blows my mind. And yes, I know that there are chemical imbalances at times, but we are giving out medication too quickly to these kids and to adults too, but to the kids, it's such a disservice. There's no... No. And you know, this should be a clue that it's diet related is that the incidence of diabetes type two diabetes in in younger kids now is skyrocketing so you got to think that all this is related so it's related to diet whether it be the diabetes and then whether it be the mental health issues is related to diet diet and lifestyle and and so i know our topic is food today but i'm going to put you on the spot robbie and i just use I use myself as an example. This may or may not be true, but I will tell you that it works most of the time. What is the best antidepressant that was ever invented? Oh, <laughs> let's it's not see. Food, but it's not a drug either. Well, I would say prayer. <laughs> okay, okay, given absolutely. What about exercise? Oh, absolutely. You know, um, well, first of all, prayer does help with anxiety and depression, but also, you know, and, and I will say this about that is that knowing that, um, you 
are not in charge, <laughs> you know, that God is sovereign. Uh, laying your burdens down and trusting him that he's got it helps with anxiety and depression, but also exercise. I've dedicated my life to exercise and to teaching others to exercise. I'm still teaching at a gym at, you know, the ripe old age of 66 and still, you know, packing them in. God, God, uh, thank God for that. I mean, people, you know, I always say I'm going to retire at whatever age, but if they keep coming, I'm still going to keep teaching. And I have seen over and over and over. And honestly, when it comes to, you know, uh, those, the endorphin effect of exercise is, of course, everybody knows that, but it can also help your marriage. (laughs) It can help so many things, you know, because you're reducing stress, you're relieving Uh, stress. And we all have stress. We just have to learn how to manage it. And we all have things that we're concerned about that we can get down about or get anxious about, but we have to do something about it. And with prayer and with exercise and taking care of our bodies, it's, it's what we're meant to do. We are, we are meant to uh, be active, to move our body every day. And you know, yeah, maybe it's hard, but listen, being sick is hard, you know, right. (laughs) Being sick is harder. You know, I say, you know, um, you will spend the time and the money either way. You're either going to spend the time and the money in healthcare, eating healthy, exercising, taking your supplements, all of that, or you're going to spend the time and the money in sick care. And we know what sick care is, which is better for you. You have a choice to make every single day of your life, you guys. Break the chain of walking around feeling sick and thick and tired. And what I've learned over the past 40 years is people are walking around feeling sick and thick and tired. And number one, most of the time they don't even know it because it's the new norm for them. And the other half of the people, they know it, but they think they should be sick and thick and tired because they're getting older. With Sean, you and I are defying age. <laughs> right, right. Well, and speaking of that, you can't retire, Robbie. And <laughs> and you should never retire. Um, you were meant to do this. And God willing, as long as your health is good enough, um, you should keep doing it. Um, I always bring up this example. And this is a, an example a patient gave to me one time about retirement. Um, when did Moses retire? Never. <laughs> right? When he died. When did King David retire? <laughs> Never. Right. And we always talk about retirement. Um, but in reality, you know, we're meant to be productive when we're on this earth. Um, you know, God gave us a garden to take care of, animals to take care of. And then then there were some weeds throw, thrown in there. But that's what we have to deal with. So, um, yeah, yeah. you know, we're meant to be productive. Absolutely. I mean, what am I going to retire from, Sean? Exactly, right? Eating healthy and exercising and teaching. Right. No. (laughs) So, Robbie, as we, I I know you have a meeting to go into afterwards. You're a busy person. And thank you for taking the time with us today. Um, As we wrap this podcast up, um, what do you have a passion for? Life. You know, um, after seeing my sister, my mother, and my father take their last breath here and their first breath in heaven, along with many other patients over the years. I just know that we aren't promised tomorrow. 
that we are here for a purpose, and that's God's purpose, uh, to live that abundant life that he has designed for us. And that is my passion, to live each day to its fullest and to love God and love others. And, and uh, you know, really, we're here to know God and let him be known. And that's my passion. I love it. So if anybody has any questions, what's the best way to get a hold of you? RobbieRaw.com. And of course, you go to my website. I have all of my podcasts and my shows there. I'm also on ABC TV AM Buffalo every Friday with Fitness Friday. And I have a newsletter and all of that. Yeah, just plug in. I love it. I love it, Robbie. Always a pleasure to have you on. There's your website for anybody that is interested. And I, I just... Jen, I really want to come out to New York and meet you, meet you and your husband someday. Maybe go for a bike ride. Hey, we would love it. My husband's like you. He likes to go 160 miles. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. That sounds like a lot to me. You guys are welcome anytime. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you for doing what you do. It's obvious what your passion is and um you know, and your and in your purpose. So thank you for living thank that you. out. Really appreciate it. Well, I want everybody. Thank you. I want everybody to pick up your book because this thing is right on. You are well, and we talked about it a little bit today. We have to take charge of our own health. Our 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 healthcare system is a sick care system. We have to educate and empower people to take charge of their own health. That's really the bottom line. Amen. Amen. All right, John. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Robbie, for for being on our show today. And thank you, listeners and viewers. Monday, tune in, 1230 to 1.30 Pacific Standard Time. We have sober coach Chris, who is a recovering alcoholic, and he's going to be talking about um, the dangers of alcohol. We've talked about it many times on this podcast. Yes, alcohol is a poison. Um, and we need to be really, really careful how we deal with alcohol. So you want to tune in with you want to tune in um, with uh, Sober Coast Coach Chris Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, twelve thirty to one thirty Pacific Standard Time, right here on my personal Facebook page and the Mosley Professional Pharmacy YouTube. Thank you for tuning in. 